they're just talking. And they're cats. I mean, <laughs> sort everything's of. bonkers <laughs> at this stage. Hello and welcome to The Cutdown, a podcast all about the art of trader editing. I'm Rick Thomas. And I'm Derek Liu. This is episode number eight. Yeah, and today we've got a couple of traders to discuss. And also, we have a kind of mailbag episode because um, you guys have been sending us in loads of questions uh, via email or on the Idle Thumbs forums. And kind of that's what we're here for. You know, we're here to offer advice about traders. So we'll be getting to those after we discuss the trader that broke the internet. Yeah. Um, so at this point, when you're listening to this, it's a couple of weeks after, but the trailer for the new live action, or I guess arguably live action, uh, Cats movie is coming out based off the Broadway musical. Yeah, I mean, this, this in a way is the perfect trader to kind of encapsulate what we're doing here on the podcast, because this was a classic example of, yep, yeah, it broke the internet, it was memed, all the YouTube comments were saying, you know, this is nightmare fuel, this is scarier than the IT trailer that came out that day. But again, similar to Sonic that we were talking about a couple of episodes ago, were people looking past the trailer to the movie? Uh, I would say they absolutely were. This is the whole thing with the internet is that when trailer comes out, people are usually talking about the content. And of course, that's something that you can avoid. But as trailer editors, we want to look at a trailer as the trailer um, and then try as much as we can to look past the content and look at how the content is put together and see if that was effective or not. Yeah, I mean, you can't completely divorce the two, but you can definitely, you know, I... I stand by the fact that I think this is a really well-cut trader. And uh, it was interesting because the day before they released this, they released a four-minute long featurette. Um, and it's the kind of thing that we've seen a few times for this kind of movie where they'll put out a behind-the-scenes piece talking about the craft of the movie ahead of the trailer. Uh, some of the ones that have worked really well were things like uh, for episode seven, uh, they came out with a, a really long B-roll, this is the artistry that's gone into it kind of thing. And that was the point where I first saw these featurettes cut more like trailers and less like sizzle real pieces, really kind of emotional, well-scored pieces. I d actually didn't watch that featurette, but I saw some people talking about it and joking like, do these people actually know what they look like when they're in the finished film? My connection to the arts is music. I grew up singing in, in the church. That's how we communicate, that's how we relate. My first memories of performance go back to when I was in Pennsylvania growing up. My favorite thing was getting to be theatrical, to, to tell a story, and I've always brought that sort of narrative element to my live shows. Yeah, well, it was interesting. So it was four minutes long and it went into the artistry and it went into the work that was there and the, the amazing dancing and that everyone loves music and the cast and it kind of showcased everything except for the look of the film. And, and people after it were saying, is there a reason that they're not kind of showing us <laughs> what this film looks like? You've got these amazing sets and you're focusing on that. And they kind of breeze past it in the featurette. They get James Corden in, of course, to say, 
Um, you know, it's a level of technology that's never been used before. Tom Hooper talks about digital fur technology, and then they kind of breeze past it. To, it's amazing, and, and it's going to look unlike anything you've ever seen. And then the trailer comes out the next day and, and kind of proves that. Tom's pairing them with a kind of level of technology which I don't think has ever been used before. We've used digital fur technology to create the most perfect covering of fur. These are people, but they're cats, and this is kind of blowing my mind. Yeah, I'd say I did two watches. I mean, it did, I did more than two watches of this trailer because the first one was just the, the visceral reaction saying, whoa, okay, that's not what I was expecting. And then afterwards, I was thinking, okay, I, I better rewatch this and actually look up at this as a trailer. But, um, you know, I was trying to imagine that what if this was, you know, the Broadway with the costumes and this, this cinematography and the lighting and, you know, the, the choice of, obviously, they have to go with um, the song Memory for this because it's the most iconic one. Um, and in all those regards, I'd say this is a totally well-cut prestige style trailer yeah totally uh, it's interesting actually but after that featurette that this trailer so quickly kind of gets to that she kind of turns to camera and it's slow motion and it's a very in your face shot and they're not hiding it in this trailer i guess i guess there is no way yeah there's really only so much they could have done to delay actually showing the faces and the bodies i'd say my biggest critique for this trailer is actually just the the title cards which are pretty generic. So the title cards in here, aside from the the prestige ones, talking about the the director and Andrew Lloyd Webber and all that, the title cards at the beginning are one night, one chance for a new life. And then at the very end says, this holiday season, you will believe. So I'd say this trailer is not trying to tell a story for the people who don't know anything about Cats the Musical, because that doesn't really give you anything. And there's only just a little bit of dialogue, which is the most story-focused one is at the very end, uh, the character says, are you going to try for a different life? Which, you know, that could mean anything. Yeah, and kind of echoes that one chance for a new life copy at the top. In fact, I kind of, as many people probably did, missed the entire copy run because I was just kind of reacting to the what I was seeing. And, and also, similarly to what we've talked about before, like there's a lot going on there. There's lyrics... There are a couple of lines of dialogue from Judy Dench at the top. There's the copy run, which has quite big gaps in between. So it's, it's quite a hard sentiment to kind of follow, um, especially as, you know, the lyrics are given so much prominence and you're kind of supposed to, I guess, focus on those. I haven't seen you before, have I? So I haven't seen the musical. The only reason I know any of it is because my older sister used to listen to the, the soundtrack basically on loop for I don't know how long, but it's it's... It's in my brain. Um, but the way that this trailer is cut, it's done in a way where it's like, oh, look at this character that you know, this character that you know. It's sort of like if you imagine like a Harry Potter trailer, it's like, oh, you want to see all the favorites of the characters that you know. And it's, it's very much done in that fashion. But then they also go through um, the cast lineup, which is probably the thing that people will latch on to most because there's a lot of celebrities in this. Yep, you've got James Corden cat, uh, Jason Derulo cat, who doesn't say his name, thus disappointing the uh, <laughs> the internet. Judy Dench cat, Ian McKellen cat. Yeah, I actually really like that section. It, it's kind of unusual to have the cast run in the middle third of the trailer. Right. But given that you're not doing any story turns, it kind of makes sense. It's it's a kind of a venti pedigree trailer, and there's a couple of strange things there that I think work really well. And one is 
musically bookending the trailer with memory, you know, starting mm-hmm. with the kind of low bit of memory, then going into another cue that I should know. And all my theatre friends will be annoyed at me <laughs> for not knowing what that cue is. But um, kind of like a real tonal shift when that cast run comes in. Um, and I think that's really successful. It's kind of saying, oh, you know, it's been kind of emotional and sad and, and now it's kind of fun for the cast run. You've got a bit of light relief. You've got James Corden. You've got Rebel Wilson basically doing a kind of a joke. Yeah, what did you think about that section? I mean, it's, it's Rebel Wilson doing Rebel Wilson yeah. things. That took me out as much as I could be taken out from watching this because I was into the, the music and I was like, oh, here's a little Rebel Wilson section. It felt a little random to me. Yeah, but I like that it wasn't all just kind of sad and mopey and emotional. I kind of, I get that, you know, this is kind of appealing to all audiences and they needed a bit of light relief in there. Right. It is quite a shift from that back to memory for the real emotional Jennifer Hudson Cat performance. And interestingly, that's the first time you see anyone singing. Um, uh, good point. And, you know, there is a thing with musicals that, you know, what was it, Sweeney Todd, they basically hid everything in the trailers and and hid the fact that it was a musical as much as possible so no one was actually singing. Because sometimes, you know, it can just look a bit cheesy in the short form compared to when you're seeing it in the movie and it's fine. Yeah, Sweeney Todd had a little bit of it, but it it was definitely not full out belting a song like Jennifer Hudson here. Or doing talk singing, which is another problem that you have in these kind of musicals where if they're that operatic structure, like something like Les Mis or Rent, where there is less dialogue, that's a kind of very unusual thing to do in a trailer to, to have that kind of thing that you buy into when you're watching a musical. But in this, they're just talking. And they're cats. I mean, <laughs> sort everything's of. bonkers at this stage. And uh, Tom Hooper is in there twice. You've got to get that pedigree in there of Les Mis. He's in there on the end card. Right. And, um, Trust us, we got someone who's done some previous film musical adaptations. Yeah, they do what you were talking about um, last episode, which is on the lyric, look, a new day has just begun. There's someone looking. Someone's oh, yeah, head yeah. is being kind of lifted up to looking in that kind of say what you see kind of way. Right. Even if it's not story related to what's being said. I, I don't know. I, I know I'm kind of swimming against the tide here. And I guess it's kind of through merit of doing this podcast and also being a trailer editor that I look past the movie and say, you know, this is a well done trailer. But on YouTube, it's definitely a more dislike to like Very much ratio. So. And I don't know if anyone will ever kind of unfortunately remember this trailer as a trailer and not just the first reveal of the nightmare yeah i would probably at this point rather listen to this trailer than watch it just because i find the the look so unappealing but i can see that these shots and the editing are are good i think i think it's it's a good trailer is a good trailer with an art style that lots of people do not like. I think this is the test. You know, I will defend anything. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a good trailer. I, I, I think if it, you know, it could have really missed. Like, you could have had the double whammy of the strange visuals that put everyone off and also... I don't know what it would have been, but, you know, like, more story or, you know, just the kind of less stirring trader obviously you've got kind of good music so you've got a good place to start yeah this is as good as this was going to get i think yeah it'll be interesting to see what they do next um i think there'll be a lot of leaning into um 
holiday season and it feels like the greatest showman it feels like hey this is a take your aunt at christmas kind of thing right right so yeah so this came out obviously at comic-con a lot of trailers were released so the it trailer came out on the same day as this and also a couple of hours after this a trailer for top gun maverick 30 plus years of service combat medals citations only man to shoot down three enemy planes in the last 40 years yeah and there was a huge reaction to it so um what do you make of this one uh, i really liked this i think they did a good job um first of all i really liked how they used the top gun theme in this they used the first note of the theme as Kind of like in that YouTube video, How to Make a Blockbuster Trailer, the, one of the first things they mention is a single piano note, which this is not a piano note here, but it's just a single note from the original Top Gun theme, just used as basically music slash a hit. I think they use it twice. A signature sound, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just a little bit of a tease of the original but keeps you hanging on, sets the mood. thought that was a really good way to open it up. Um, and then this opening... They do the thing that we were talking about last time, which was they tease out who the person they're talking about is. Of course, we're watching a thing called Top Gun Maverick, so we knew they're talking about Maverick. But if you're watching this in a theater, you had no idea what was happening. You might slowly understand that this is Top Gun because they use the shots of the jet. And then they, they get to him putting on the brakes, which is Maverick's iconic move from the first film. And then the dialogue reveals that it is Tom Cruise from the original film. Yeah, I think even if you are seeing the version with the title card, the kind of reveal of Tom Cruise still works because you want to see how he is and you want to see him like back in that role. Um, and I actually really love the start of this. The the intercut is really arresting, going from the, the sound of the cockpit to the stillness of the desert and there's right. no music to that. The first music comes in, as you say, with a kind of signature sound. Yeah, which is cool. And then... After the reveal, then we have the rise, basically, the built-in rise by just having a shot of the jet engines powering up. Which, actually, if you look at a lot of sound effects libraries or movie trailer sound effects libraries, you'll find things which are basically just jet engines to use as rises in trailers so uh it's just much more literal here yeah and then they have this cool shot where you're looking at tom cruise in a plane and it's very much made to look like hey maybe this is actually tom cruise doing his thing because he likes to do crazy stunts though i read an article saying that he would not actually be allowed to fly say an f-18 but the producer said that he will be flying aircraft in this so oh interesting yeah someone someone kind of speculated that it might be a double cockpit thing whereas you know he is in that plane but maybe he's like one seat behind something like that but i mean the shot where he comes off the and this is <laughs> and this is me doing a cats this is me like totally looking through to the movie yeah but like the shot where he comes off the edge of the aircraft carrier and you can see the jolt and i don't know and, and we've talked before about cg overload but it just kind of anytime tom cruise does tom cruise things yeah and is like jumping off a roof or like jumping off a motorbike or here like in a plane. I spent this whole trailer thinking that's just Tom Cruise. It's pretty much his thing at this point, or I guess it's always been his thing, but he yeah. just keeps upping the ante. So I just never doubt that Tom Cruise is actually doing something dangerous in his films. 
And the copy kind of emphasizes that because the copy is literally in 2020, Tom Cruise. And, <laughs> and it kind of emphasizes that this is an event trailer. This is an event teaser, you know, beyond the Ed Harris speech, which bookends it. You know, you have the Ed Harris is speaking over the shots in the desert and then you come back to him for the button. The end is inevitable, Maverick. Your kind is headed for extinction. Maybe so, sir. But not today. Yeah, and then in the middle, they just fly through, no pun intended, uh, fly through a whole bunch of shots which just are evocative of the first film. So you see he has his uh, leather jacket and his aviator glasses. He's riding a motorcycle and a shirtless guy, not with a volleyball, he has a football. Um, and They're really changing things up. For the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for it's totally season. different. They've moved on to football. Yeah, I, I just think this is, you know, really successful as uh, it does everything that we talked before about, you know, how to do a sequel and and to kind of be bold and eventy and rely on that knowledge, but also be cool. Uh, I would be curious as to how it's playing with the younger generation, but maybe Top Gun is just so kind of iconic and Tom Cruise is, you know, still an amazing action star. So maybe it kind of doesn't really matter. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it matters that much. Um, and then also notable is what is not in this trailer, which is um, Val Kilmer is not in this. I imagine they're going to hold that back for the full trailer because that's one big part of the original that is coming back that I'm sure people want to see and are curious how he's going to integrate into the story. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they um, what they follow this up with. And the same with cats. <laughs> how do you follow? How do you follow those? Yeah. For both of those, it actually kind of segues to to one of the questions we got asked because mm-hmm. we got a lot of questions from a guy called um, Gunner Clovis. One of his questions to us was, what's your favorite type of style of trailer to make? And my response to that links into those two films and it's teaser trailers hmm. because I don't have to do all the heavy lifting of the story. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can be eventy, you can be minimal, um, you can do something slightly interesting. You can, In a way, you can kind of impose more on it because you're showing less of the movie or you know you do what it chapter two did and you know just show a scene of the movie but either way you you know you're doing something kind of singular and and iconic and and that's kind of what they're doing here with cats and top gun yeah i think the teaser format because it's so loose it lends itself to many different styles whereas when you have the full story trailer where you have dialogue and accents then it ends up uh, feeling like it can fall into a structure that is very familiar. But when your goal is just show a little bit and show the really, really potent images, then yeah, there's, there's any number of ways you can do that. Okay, so that's what we have to say about Cats and Top Gun, but let's now move into the questions, of which we have several. And let's just start with this email we got from Nico Deo. He said, I have a question I wanted your opinion on. Have you ever seen a trailer that is much more entertaining than the film? It is advertising. I think back to the big trailer for Fifty Shades of Grey, which, while not working from the best source material, had way better trailer than the actual film. Mostly due to the fact that it was a special version of Beyonce's Crazy in Love, done for it, that was very slowed down and fit the mood of the film. I'm incapable of leaving you alone. Then don't. But the trailer definitely oversold the promise of the film, and it was a funny letdown. Have you seen many trailers that are a better version of the film than the film itself? Let me know. I would say the answer to this, of course, is yes. Uh, yeah, it's actually something we've, we've talked about previously with um, the Golden Trailer Awards and the, 
and the Golden Fleece Award. Um, but uh, what are your what are your like trailers that are better than the movie? Yeah, so I went through my list and I have a bunch which I've some of them I probably already talked Wait, about. You, you've already written a list of the. I have an ongoing YouTube playlist of favorite trailers, and I just went through and said which of these films did I not like? Potentially most of them. I yeah. don't know. I mean, there is that thing where you know the trailer is two and a half minutes. You know you're choosing the best bits you know you're doing something different with it because here's the thing when you're only taking just small fragments of a movie it's much harder to make something that's consistently good for 90 minutes to two hours versus two minutes and it's all set to nice music and it's edited in a fun way so it's not surprising that there are a lot of trailers that people find more entertaining than a feature film um so the first one is the fountain which is a really good full trailer and the movie I've only watched it once, but it didn't really do much for me. Um, but it's structured where you see the different time periods, and you know, it's it's a it's a romance trailer. And by the end, at least for me, I really am feeling for Hugh Jackman and Rachel Weisz. Another romance is Across the Universe. Is there anybody going to listen to my story? All about the girl who came to stay. Which I haven't seen the film, but I've heard the film is not oh very good. Oh my god, I love that trailer. I love that trailer. That trailer is amazing. I mean, one, you have, what, 10 Beatles songs to segue between, yeah, which yeah. is no easy feat, and they do it amazingly in that trailer. As blissful as you two are in the throes of young love, I got a date with Uncle Sam. And the visuals are incredible. I mean, that's actually something I was thinking of when you mentioned The Fountain. Like, a lot of these trailers where the trailer might be better than the film are really visual films. Right. Where they, they have really have an impact um, across the universe in the short form. It just kind of blows your mind because there are so many kind of visual motifs and, and things in there. Yeah. And then speaking of visual, uh, I mean, the the Matrix sequels I would put in here because I didn't really like the, the sequels that much, but the trailers are amazing, which, full disclosure, I, I worked at the place that made them when I was an assistant. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I, I was trying to think of mine, and um, I don't necessarily not like the films, but take the Zack Snyder, Frank Miller movies, so 300, just those visuals in that short form are just amazing and ends up being a beautiful piece same with sin city sin city mm. had this amazing music cue on it and an amazing yeah, yeah. trailer that you know the kind of visuals that i'd never seen before a hard top with a decent engine and make sure it's got a big trunk And then you watch the movie and it has less impact than that, especially the first time you see it, you know. Um, all right, let's move on. So this is from the Idle Thumbs forums, which, by the way, we have forums on the Idle Thumbs website at idlethumbs.net. Yes, this is from a user called Fixer, um, and it's probably more aimed at you. How would you approach making a trailer for a game that's nearly 20 years old but still kicking and even looking to grow its fan base? The graphics are severely dated. It uses a monthly subscription fee and there's no combat. 
yet it has a fan base similar to Eve's, dedicated and passionate due to its unique nature. The game is a tale in the desert, in case you're curious. I'd love to make a trailer for it, but the more I think about it, the more it seems like an impossible task. So yeah, Derek, um, what do you think? Uh, yeah, so I took a look at some screenshots of this game, and yeah, it looks like an old MMORPG. You know, the, the, the game is only going to look as good as it looks, so why bother worrying about how it looks? Basically, the same sort of thing that the editor who worked on the Cats trailer must have thought. You know, there's no getting around how th that footage looks, so you might as well just treat it like it's the best thing and uh, go from there. You know, don't think that you need to hide or obfuscate this thing because there's just no way around it. So then once you've gotten past that, just think about what are the things that are special about this game? You know, what makes this a unique MMORPG versus something like, I don't know, EverQuest or World of Warcraft? And just lean on its unique points and just use the footage, which, yes, it looks dated because it's old, but take the best parts of that game, which look dated, and uh, just make it look as good as possible. I mean, that's, that's just what we do with anything that we're working on, just make it look as good as possible. And we just can't worry that it maybe doesn't look as good as something else that uh, is, there's a trailer for out. Never feel like you're playing defense when you're making a trailer. You know, just, just celebrate the thing and find the, the best way to do that. Yep, channel the Cats trailer editor and, and, and get that full frontal shot out first thing. So yeah, and, and uh, so then we get to uh, an email we received from Gunnar Clovis, as I was saying before, um, a really great set of questions that really kind of prompted us to, to, to do this for the episode. So um, uh, he asks, what traders of yours are you most proud of? Most proud of? So mine, I really like the Quadrilateral Cowboy trailer, which I can't take full credit for because I didn't come up with the concept. But I got to work on that with my friend Jake Rodkin and Chris Rima wrote the script and then a uh, friend Aaron Yvette did the voiceover but that was just one of those trailers that just had a really good idea and it really came together um, that's one that I really like from the vaults at Bergamot Towers to the vaulted halls of government to your bank's local branch one thing is clear nowhere is beyond their reach yeah, I recommend um, actually Derek's breakdown uh, on YouTube of how he made that trailer because it's really interesting looking at the final product and, and seeing the kind of evolution. You kind of do a thing that we can't really do in um, in film trailers, which is kind of show behind the curtain. Right, right. Um, because, you know, the general public only see the final product. They don't see the 50 versions that went before that with weird ADR and temp graphics and, and you know, bad VFX and, and everything. So Derek's kind of breakdown of how we did it is really interesting uh actually one of the rec recent ones that i really like was the katana zero trailer one of the reasons is because that's just like a very very video gamey game and has really good music so that was a lot of fun to work on uh it was one of the i'd say easier projects just because it had really good music and gameplay and just was very visually interesting uh i mean i really like i'm really proud of my firewatch trailers I did all, a whole bunch of those, and I like the, the the variety that we've done. And of course, that's the one that I'll instantly name drop anytime anyone asks if what I've worked on, just because it's mm -hmm. probably the most well known of anything that I've made. Uh, so, what are some of your favorites? 
Um, yeah, I kind of you mentioned music there, and I think some of the trailers where I've had the opportunity to do something interesting musically, I think, are, are some of my favourites. So I did the UK trailer for the Pirates in an Adventure with Scientists, which was the Pirates Band of Misfits, I think, in the US. Hmm. Um, and it's a minute-long teaser trailer, and it's a song that we wrote, uh, kind of set to the tune of "What Do We Do with the Drunken Sailor," kind of listing the crazy stuff that you're going to see in the film. The pirates in an adventure with scientists. Oh, blow me down. And, and there's minimal story, and it was really fun. We got to write that and sing that, and went down to a recording studio and got a load of people to be pirates. And, oh, cool! And it was a really fun thing, and it was a kind of crazy idea that that perfectly chimed with the irreverent style of the film and as I've said before I love meta trailers and this is a kind of meta trailer where we got to talk about the trailer in the trailer so it's always going to be one of my favourites and similarly things like the London Has Fallen teaser trailer which was right in the height of plinky plonky (laughs) piano (laughs) music covers Um, and I did London Bridge Has Fallen Down um, Mm. on the piano but I actually played that myself oh really? uh, yeah on the piano and kind of built a whole music cue around it So I was really proud to, to kind of get that across the finish line as well. So, um, uh, And along those lines, um, Gunnar also asked about what are our favorite and least favorite trailer tropes. I'm going to start with my least favorite, which is I don't, I don't like flutter cuts. So a flutter cut basically is just those times in a trailer when they cut single frames of black like really, really fast. So it's like, it's like this, this stuttering sort of visual. Some, a lot of times it goes with the music. Um, I don't like when they get overused a lot because to me it looks just like the editor decided, oh, this footage is pretty boring. I need to make it look interesting. So I'm going to add a flutter cut here. And when it's overused, especially, I just, uh, it really turns me off. Yeah, it's interesting. It's one of those things that's really kind of conscious editorial. You know, there's no way that that would happen in the feature. So it's very kind of conspicuously something that the editor's chosen to do. Yeah. And it just is kind of not really fun to watch because it's whenever you cut to black, it's basically like you're closing the audience's eyes for them. And then you're doing it so rapidly. Just it can almost give me a, he- a headache if it's done too much. Or give um, someone epilepsy, which is another thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a big problem. Yeah, there's something in the UK um, called a Harding test where um, you can't dip from kind of full brightness to black to full brightness too much in a second. I've never heard of anything like that he- here, so it must just not exist. <laughs> All right, so the next question, this is a pretty big question. Uh, what is your dream going forward in trailers? What are you aspiring to as the next step of evolution beyond the success you've had? <laughs> I don't thank know. You for I feel th- like I've, yeah. Thank you for saying we're successful. <laughs> My dream is to to just kind of keep keep doing it. Um, and yeah, and actually always keep changing, keep evolving, keep doing good work. Um, experience counts for a lot, but also just kind of keep testing myself and, and trying new things. And that's what I enjoy about it, really. How about you? Um, yeah, I mean, of course I want to do good work. I want to hope that my style evolves. It doesn't just stay at this this one particular style that goes out of uh, goes out of date or something like that. But, you know, I want to work on good projects. I want to work with fun people. And 
the other thing I just want to do is teach about trailers, which is something I'm doing, you know, by my newsletter and my YouTube channel because it's just information podcast. that's and this podcast um, because it's just something that's not talked about a lot. So that's something that I want to do going forward. Just share more about how trailers are made and give some more exposure to this very kind of secret industry. Yeah, because I I kind of feel like that kind of stuff, like teaching, it can be applied to a lot of different disciplines. You know, last time we were saying that getting over a blank timeline is the same whether you're a writer or a musician or a cook or something like that. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the stuff we talk about with traders can hopefully be applied to... um, other things yeah um gunner's next question is really interesting it says uh, what do you think about vr 360 traders if and when vr ar is widely adopted how will vr cha- traders change the industry i think these will take a long time to be adopted if they ever do at all because uh, the thing is with vr 360 is that it's all about you know directing the eye it's more like it's more like a play than film because you can look anywhere or the audience can look anywhere. So do you think it would work more for a VR project? Like, for example, in games, you know, is the best thing for a VR game, a VR trailer? Well, the thing about VR, though, is for for games, for example, the fun is interacting with it, not looking at it. Uh, But if you're going to make a trailer where people are looking at it, then it's probably better if you get people who work in, say, theater or, I don't know, room escape games, something like that, which is a more live action sort of thing, not necessarily like video and cinematography because it's just a totally different ball game. And I think there's probably not necessarily the overlap that's needed to take full advantage of that format. I don't know. I think trailer editors and producers would have a lot to to say because, yes, while it is guiding the eye and that kind of thing, you know, how to market something is is kind of a worthwhile skill, uh, especially that thing about removing yourself from the the product. I think kind of what we were talking about game-wise that maybe the best VR trader for a game is just the the demo. Um, And actually, I think about the kind of couple of VR experiences that I've seen for movies and they do have that level of interaction. So I remember Mm. a VR experience for The Walk where it was kind of you're walking on the tightrope in VR. Um, And I think similarly there was something for Spider-Man Far From Home recently where you're in VR flying through the streets. And also another one that I saw was Mm. there was an It VR experience for It Chapter One Mm -hmm. um, which very much did that kind of direct your eye. I think there were a lot of balloons flying around that you had to kind of follow. Uh. And it was was kind of you you were supposed to focus in one particular area and there was nothing behind you or was there um, (laughs) kind of thing. And that was a very kind of guided experience, even though it was in VR. Um, But it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't necessarily trailery. You know, it wasn't cutty. It was a more drift through this scenario. Um, And I think there's definitely space for that kind of thing. but, But as you say, it's less... That's trailery. So we have some questions for you, Rick. Uh, how far along in production do film studios start having trailers developed? Yeah, uh, it kind of um, depends on the project and dep- depends on the studio, really. But um, anywhere from in pre-production before the film comes out or definitely to the first day of shooting, or maybe they want to kind of wait until they've got a cut first. So it's a sliding scale, really. Yeah, and the more indie you get, the, the, the later in production that you might end up making a trailer for it. But it varies. I've definitely worked on things, you know, from script stage before they've even cast it or started shooting and or, you know, working with pre-visualization and, and stuff. So, All right, next. Uh, where do you think the film trailer industry is going moving forward? What changes do you expect as the industry and social media evolves? 
Yeah, I, I, I always think about this because, as I say, I'm always trying to do something differently. Um, and I think what's really interesting over the last couple of years is the, the move towards digital um, and the fact that, you know, we're creating more and more pieces than we ever were. Ten years ago, you wouldn't have had both a four-minute long featurette and a trailer for Cats. You'd have just had the trailer and no opportunity to do that other kind of thing that adds another angle to what you're doing. Um, you know, nowadays we have two or three trailers. We have trailers targeted at different things. You have digital ads that can literally be targeted at certain people. I remember reading something on Booksmart. They targeted all their advertising, apparently, at young women. And, you know, when you have limited budgets or kind of you're definitely going after a certain demographic or, you know, it, it enables you to do more stuff. And I think we're a couple of years away from trailers that the copy changes depending on where you are, even to the level of like, hey, Los Angeles, go and do this. Or the copy is different depending on your sex or what your interests are. Basically, we're moving towards the minority report scenario where the ads target the individual person. So... Uh, someday it'll be like, Derek Liu, we know you like cats. You're going to love Cats the movie. <laughs> yeah, and it's going to be beamed into your head. Yeah. Basically, we're, we're already there. It's just not literally in our eyeballs. It's just on a screen in front of our eyeballs. So just one degree of separation. Coming soon to an eyeball near you. Oh, boy. So that was Gunnar's questions for me, um, but he also had some questions for Derek. Um, so, Derek, uh, what can game developers do to best aid their game trailer editor? Uh, the best thing they can do is notify them as soon as possible, maybe even when they're thinking about potential new ideas for a game that they want to work on. Uh, it's just good to think about what a game is going to look like in video form uh, as soon as possible. Um, but beyond that, I would say the best thing you can do is work on debug options. If you go to my website at gametrailerdebugtools.com, you can go see my GDC talk. And I talk a lot about you know, first-person cameras and third-person cameras and ways to make them easy to use to get good shots. That really helps. Uh, and if you have a composer available to work with, then that's also a really big help. But yeah, start early and make good tools. Cool. And he also asks, um, uh, what special considerations are there for making VR game trailers? Uh, we've kind of touched on this, but is there anything else? Yeah, if you're doing trailer for VR games, the first thing I would say is get um, make a, a, a smooth camera because the, the headset camera is just very, very jerky. So one way to make that better is to make a separate camera which has uh, motion smoothing on it so then that when people watch your trailer, it doesn't look jerky, they don't throw up. Uh, that's a good thing to do. Um, and when you're making a VR game trailer, you know, think about where your hands are when you're capturing, because a lot of times when you're when you're playing in VR, your hands are like by your waist, which can't be seen by the headset. Um, and then the other thing is to just mix up the shots by having like a third person camera controlled by a, a controller so that you're not just in first person all the time just to mix things up. For more about this, if you go to Kurt Gartner's website, he has a really good article about cinematography for VR games, which I recommend, which is at kurtgartner.com. And along similar lines, um, are there any other special considerations uh, you should make for making trailers for mobile games? I get this question a lot, and I don't think it's really any different than any other game. The only thing I can think about that would be different is because there's no mouse per se, you're using like, a, you know, your hands. Uh, it's good to have some sort of visual representation of your hands in some cases, and then maybe some animated swipes even, just so then that the audience can actually see what the person is doing if it's not immediately apparent. Uh, the only problem in some cases is like for iTunes, for example, uh, on the App Store, you're limited to 30 seconds. 
which you can actually make a variety. I think you can submit up to three app previews at this point, but um, only 30 seconds, which can make things more difficult. Um, cool. Uh, Gunnar also asked, um, obviously you, you work uh, mainly in indie things, but he asked, uh, do uh, specialized game trader houses exist? Uh, yes. <laughs> I used to work at one as a freelancer, but yeah, there are a handful in Los Angeles and there's some uh, in other parts of the world. Yeah, and also there's a lot of uh, game trader departments within um, film trader houses as well. Right, right. So last but not least, uh, Derek, where do you think the game trailer industry is going moving forward? Uh, similar to kind of what we were talking about with movies, is there something specific to games? I think one way that it can move forward is having more integration with the developers because um, one thing that I saw that I really liked was the demo for the game Ape Out, which was a playable trailer. They made a special version of the game which... Uh, as soon as you finish a small section, they would give you little title card credits and then cut to a different scene from the game. And then as soon as that finished, you would go to the next thing. So the first trailer was basically a perfect playthrough of that demo. And I thought that was a really, really cool way of advertising that game. Um, but honestly, I think that the game trailer industry just needs to get bigger because there are still so many games with trailers made by the the game developers and the trailers are not always that good in those cases. Um, So I think we need just more people making game trailers at all levels of budgets. Cool. Sounds good. Um, so thank you so much to Gunnar for sending in those questions and uh, and everyone else who's uh, interacted with us on the on the forums and sending in questions. You know, we are here for you guys to, to help and offer advice. And um, thank you so much for listening and asking us for advice. Yeah, and you can just keep sending your questions at cutdown at idlethumbs.net or we're also on Twitter at cutdowncast and I am at Derek underscore Lou. And I'm at Rick Thomas, and actually someone reached out to me this week and asked me to critique a trailer that they've cut. So, so yeah, we're around and we're available for that kind of thing. Uh, we're part of the Idle Thumbs Network. Um, and also want to give a thank you to our friends at Twisted Jukebox for our intro music. As always, thanks for listening. Yep, thanks. Bye. This film is an event.